it's good to be with you today. I love, I love that, uh, the verse that says that he is our double cure. Did you catch that? He's our double cure. He's our salvation, and he's also our sanctification. He's, he's both saved us from our sins and saving us from our sins. And he's making us something new. I mean, that's the gospel message, isn't it? That our God is the God of second chances. And many of us are living in a second chance. And so he is good not just to give us the second chance, which would be enough, but now to sanctify us. And so today, as we look at his word, this is part of that sanctification if you've been with us, we have been going through the Sermon on the Mount, and I just feel like we should come back to this maybe every year. It is so refreshing and good and awakens in us something that is far greater than we ever were before in Christ. And so as we look at these verses and we hear Jesus speaking to his disciples and all those who are around and getting a picture of what the kingdom of God is like, we are learning it is a lot different than what the Pharisees understood, the great religious leaders of that day. As we said earlier, the Pharisees were, were ushering in a kind of spiritual, well, at least a religious movement, a, a revival. And in doing so, they were expressing as they understood it what the, the, the law is and also the implications of that law. And as we listen to it, although they were pointing everyone to the law and, and to what the holiness of God was, they were getting it wrong, right? They were sincerely wrong. And so now Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount as it began with the, the Beatitudes, which are reorienting discussion that Jesus has with his disciples about what it is to be a person after his heart. And as they are given these instructions, and as they carry with them the Sermon on the Mount, and as they now walk through this world and they're sharing like Jesus' words, and they become the great sages and the prophets like of old. And now they're going to be walking with these great truths. What's going to keep them from becoming Pharisees, right? So they're going to have these great truths that people go, ooh. So this is the way of the kingdom. But it's going to be very easy for them now to take those truths and begin applying to everybody's life because everyone they're going to meet along the way, same for you and me, disciples, Everyone you meet along the way, you're going to see, oh, no, no, that's counter to what Jesus said, right? And so now they're going to be living the Sermon on the Mount, and as they go forward and they, they see other people who are religious people and irreligious people, they're going to say, oh, you're wrong. Don't you understand? You see, now these new disciples can become the old Pharisees. That's going to be a problem. Jesus continues to say of the Pharisees that they are blind guides. Will not the disciples become blind guides? Will you and me be blind guides? If left to ourselves, the answer is yes. 
So I'm glad that Jesus shakes us a little bit here <laughs> to keep us from that temptation. So we, we read today from, from uh, the book of Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. The verses will be up, up on the screen for you. You've heard these before, so we'll go over them again. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? But do not notice the log that is in your own. Or how can you say to your brother, uh, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Jesus now is ushering these disciples into a new kingdom reality to show them what is it going to be like to live uh, in this kingdom with other people. And he says, now be careful. And he's thinking, I'm sure, he, he, the, the Pharisees are in mind. Be careful how you judge and when you judge, what kind of judging you do. This word judge in, in the Greek is a very common uh, a commonly used word. There's not a, a lot of things to kind of mine out of what that means. It means to judge. <laughs> but it, there are all kinds of judgings, though, aren't they? Are, are ways to judge. And so we as judge, we'll, we'll put us all in that category because we all judge, there is a kind of a spirit of judging there is a critical spirit. I'm going to talk about three different kinds of spirits of judging. And I'm not talking about like there's a demon named this thing. I don't you, but there is an attitude within us, a spirit that is a critical spirit. There is a censorious spirit and there is a dismissive spirit. I want you to try all those on. A critical spirit is a spirit that uh, looks at everything and is critical. Uh, it is broad and wide. It looks at all things and looks at each person and looks at all of their life and is very critical, like they see lots of stuff. They have a sharp eye for detail. That's a, a critical spirit with all kinds of people, all kinds of things in a person. And, and this critical person usually has problems with all kinds of people, and they have problems with them critical spirit. There's also another kind of judging that is a, a censorious spirit. It is one that is exacting penalties uh, for the, the judgment that's made. So we would make a judgment of someone else, and then we'd want them to pay for what they've done. There is an attitude that is regularly looking for payment for what's been done. There's also a dismissive spirit where it judges the person and then basically says, you're dead to me. And instead of engaging more and, and exacting penalties, says, I'll have nothing left to do with you. I'm done. 
and considers them maybe even less than human, not worthy of continued relationship. You see, judging in these kinds of ways are antithetical, just the opposite of what Jesus says life in the kingdom is like. Can you see why Jesus is saying this is a problem? Jesus even says of the person who has this uh, problem with uh, clearing out the speck in someone's eye, uh, he calls them hypocrites. It is kind of a funny scene, though, isn't it? If you think about what Jesus says, I mean, it's meant to be ridiculous that there is some guy or, or lady, and they have a speck in their eye, and you know how it is. When you get something in your eye, you're like, you're like this, and, and people walk past you, and everybody goes, he must have something in his eye, right? I mean, it's pretty obvious as they're like this, and, and they are pretty disturbed by it. And then you have this guy who has, the, the, it's not just a log, it's like a timber, like the, the strongest board in the house, you know, big board, and it's, this is the picture. He's got one of these. And so he, he walks up to the guy, and you, I mean, it's just hilarious. I think, like so this guy's rubbing his eye, and this guy with the board says, are, are, I see something wrong with you. Like everyone knows this person has a problem with their eye, and it's bothering them. They don't want to have a problem with their eye, but here you are with this guy with a giant beam. It's ridiculous. It is, to have someone who's disturbed by a speck, to send to say something is obtuse. To say, you, by the way, you have something in your eye. Corinthians, in the book of Corinthians, Paul says that knowledge puffs up. And because the, the religious people have a, a great understanding of what the law is, or at least they think they do. They understand the way of Christ when they see others. They're quick to pick those things out. But this spiritual obtuseness of not recognizing our own sin causes blindness. The board is too big to see past. Yet we want to perform surgery on someone else. When we are spiritually blind like this, we stop listening, we stop thinking, we stop seeing. If we didn't have the big board in front of us, we would be far more aware of maybe there's an explanation for the speck. Maybe there's an excuse or a reason. After further examination, you realize you were judging without the facts. Have you ever been there? I mean, it seems like all the time. When you have a problem with somebody else, then you go and talk to them, you go, oh, my bad, <laughs> right? Oh, it's not as, not as bad as I thought it was, or it wasn't the same thing that I thought it was going to be. I visit with people all the time. I get those, those terrible phone calls that say, Marcus, I need to talk to you. Can we meet? I'm like, What? What, what are we meeting about, <laughs> you know? And my mind has all these different ideas of like, they're not coming to church anymore. I did something. What did I do? What did I do? You go through that like, oh, oh I bet you it's this. Or sometimes I think, you know what? I surely didn't say out loud what I was thinking before. <laughs> Have you done that before? Like, did I say that out loud? <laughs> and inevitably, I get it wrong. 
I did say it out loud. No. I find that I, because I, I jumped to a quick judgment about that person, about what the situation was, I miss it all together. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this kind of spiritual blindness, it isn't charitable. Usually it's not even just. It's not good. And it certainly isn't redemptive. Jesus says, uh, the way that you measure will be measured to you. And th this is this idea of uh, using scales. Like, so I, I know, I mean, this was the case back then, and even like in, in when I was in Kenya today, as uh, people have different scales. So uh, you want to be careful which scale you use when you're judging, when you're trying to decide how much something's worth, how much that kilo of grain is or isn't a kilo of grain. And so what you do is you make sure that uh, you're using the same scales, like you have the same scales, you, that you're measuring the same thing. So if you're, uh, in, especially in Jesus' day, you're putting uh, some weight here and you're putting these little things uh, to, to balance that weight that you need to use the same ones over and over again. And as you use that same scale, the same scale you use on someone else is going to be used on you as well. What happens is that we become hypocrites. We become like the Pharisees. And we don't want to have the same scale applied to us. We are just very, it's just very easy for us to see the sins of others. We either become hypercritical or we, uh, hypocritical or we become hypercritical. And we see all kinds of problems with others. And it kills us and it kills them. In, in Luke chapter 29, Jesus, uh, 19, Jesus is on his way with his disciples, and they're on their way to Jerusalem. These are his, this is his last couple of weeks. And as he goes, you look uh, all around this passage, and you see that Jesus is sharing with his disciples some of the most important things they're going to need before he leaves. He's telling them that he is about to die and that everything's going to break loose. He tells, they begin to ask, well, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? And Jesus expresses that you need to have a childlike faith. There's questions about who he is. Is he, who is he, the son of God? What, is it, what does it mean to be the son of God? He has all these very important discussions with them. They are headed towards his last days. And as they do, they pass through a Samaritan village. And when they are passing, they're getting ready to go to the Samaritan village. The disciples go ahead and they begin to tell them that Jesus is coming through. Now, for Jesus to come through a Samaritan village is big news for the village because the Jews don't come that way. It, Jesus is going out of his way to be with them. And so the disciples are thinking, you are highly favored, Samaritans, because Jesus shouldn't be doing this. You're lucky. And so they go to a, like an away party, the red shirts for Star Trek, and they, they go 
and they meet with the Samaritans, and they say, Jesus is on his way, and they say, we don't want anything to do with him. Just have him go on. And they're like, no, you need to have a meal for him or something. You need to listen to him. No, we don't want to hear from him. The Samaritans reject him. The disciples go back to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, the Samaritans have rejected you. Let us call down fire from heaven and burn them up. That's righteous, right? They had righteous indignation. You are missing the Son of God who's come to you to show you mercy. You fools. Let's wipe them out. That's what they deserve. They deserve that. That is right judgment. And for those, and they're right. For those who reject God, there is eternal judgment and fire. Just not yet. Jesus rebukes them. This is a far cry from John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, Jesus is with his disciples. He leaves them. He goes into the Samaritan village, and there he meets a woman at the wrong time of day for her to be out there because she's so entrenched in her sins that no one wants to be around her. And there he offers her, offers her right, living water. And as he offers her living water, is Jesus judgmental of her? Yes, he is. She say, he said, go call your husband. We'll talk more. And she's like, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, yes, I know. You're on your fifth looking for the sixth. Why? Because she, uh, she was a, a woman who was looking in all the wrong places, like a bad country western song. She was in the middle of it. And Jesus says these things, not to throw her in the well, <laughs> but to offer her life. And that unless she understands the depth of her sin, she'd never be ready for living water. She wants to argue religion after that, and Jesus is like, you're missing it. I'm not talking about religion, I'm talking about living water. You see, Jesus judged and Jesus is telling us that we are to judge as well. Throughout the Bible, we're seeing that, that we're called to be those who judge uh, bad theology, wrong theology. We're to judge those who are, who are sinners. But listen how he says in verse 5, he says, First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. We are called to the truth. But in applying the truth, we must do it with charity and grace, with redemption in mind. This is the way of Jesus. Last year, uh, Wendy went and had, had to have eye surgery done. And uh, she went and saw, I'm going to put a big plug here for uh, Dr. Rachel Cook. Uh, yeah, she is fantastic. If you ever have to have somebody stick something in your eye, this is the woman for it. And so she met with her, and then uh, she's just so gracious and kind. Um, I mean, she has more letters behind her name than I have in front of mine, and she's, uh, she's fantastic. She's loving. She prays with folks. She asks them if she can pray with them. Uh, I mean, I had never been in a doctor's office like that before. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was a beautiful moment. <laughs> 
And then she prepared Wendy for that. Uh, and she has, you know, great expertise. You know, she told us the number, how many of these surgeries she's done, which is just a ton. And so we felt really good going into that. Now, on the day of the surgery, we showed up and scrubs and all these kind of things happening. If she would have shown up with a blindfold on and said, don't worry, I'm really good at this. I believe you're pretty good. I don't know if you're that good, <laughs> right? Although we trust you, you know, unless you have a proper understanding of the situation, I'm not going to trust you with a blindfold on. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is calling us to judge other people. Uh, each of us needs this kind of spiritual surgery. And we are good. We're called into community. We can do that for each other. The problem is we are, we are so unaware of our own sin that when we go in there, it's like we have our blindfolds on. It's like, I know the Word of God. I know how this can apply to you. But because we don't see our own sin, we go in there and try to do surgery and end up destroying ourselves and the other person. And Jesus doesn't want this from us. He has a better way for us. The response that we are to have as the people of God is that we should first examine ourselves. What we read earlier, Galatians chapter 6, is to take a, an inventory of yourself before you go to someone else. Begin to work on our own sins. You know, especially when we start out the gate as we're doing the crawling in, in, in the, in, as believers. We, we look around at other people and we can see the sin in their lives and we know the sin that was in our own and we're like, ugh, that's terrible, right? But as we mature, we should see, first of all, our first work is that work of seeing ourselves and knowing our own sin. Oh, so often as I'm, I'm sitting with, with couples, it's as if they think that, that the other person is the only one that's done anything wrong. Well, there's two of you here. Actually, there's three of us. <laughs> We're a real mess, right? It is going to take a huge amount of humility by all of us in order to even get through this. Because our sin is so much before us. If we would, as the people of God, examine ourselves first, and remove the log out of our own eyes. It, it would cause us to move much sl more slowly with those that we are caring for. Brothers and sisters, we need each other. We need, we need help with the specs, all right? We need help in, in removing those, that sin in our lives. And a, a good friend, a good counsel is helpful in that. But be careful because our, our hearts default to, to hypercritical. Our, our, our hearts default to being hypocritical. We can become dis dismissive. We can have a critical spirit. We can be censorious. And these are not good. Jesus has a better way. Brothers and sisters, let, let us reflect regularly, especially when we're having problems with somebody. And it seems like the, the places that we want to judge most are the people in our home. Amen. Because we get to see it. And it doesn't seem like so much a speck, does it? <laughs> no, that's more than a speck, I guarantee you, because we all can see it. And I got hit by, he my, head, uh, my head by that same two-by-four. 
So we all end up having beams as we walk around. And so because we're so close to each other, because we can see those faults so much, oh, man, we have to be careful because we'll kill each other. We'll be so critical and judgmental that we lose that grace for each other. And we forget that we are sinners as well. So slow down. I'd encourage you to read uh, through 2 Corinthians, the, the love chapter, and begin applying that to this other person. Is my love hopeful towards this person, or am I just mad? Is, is my hope redemptive for this person, or do I, wanna, I want them to pay for what they've done? They frustrate me so much. That, by the way, that's my anger. That's how I get when I'm angry. <laughs> Can I even open my mouth? This is the new way, disciples. This is the new way. We, we're going to have plenty of opportunities to be critical with each other. And one of the commentaries that said it, there are many, many uh, families who go home and have roasted pasta for lunch. I don't think that's happening here. I hope not. If so, I hope it tastes good. But we have lots of reasons. You know, when people come to our church and we have new members coming in, none of them did this. But as people come in and they begin to talk about how terrible the last church was, and they just go on and on and on, and they have examples, and I mean, not holding back. <laughs> You know, this person that, and that person that, and just this whole, whole litany of stuff. You kind of go, oh. There was a, a family that was moving from one city to the next, and this vi- from v- one village to the next, and they were going up the mountain, and they saw another ma- an old man coming that from the next city they were going to go to, and they said, old, old man, tell us, tell us, uh, what is that, that city like over there? He said, well, tell me about the city you just came from. He said, the people are terrible, they said. They are liars. They are disrespectful. Uh, they steal. They uh, talk bad about people. And he, they just went on and on. And he says, well, you'll find people like that there too. There is a spirit within us that can be very critical He's come to save us from that. He's come to say, save us so that we might see people for the purpose of redemption. If we could just look at each other with the hope of redemption. The final little thing he says there, it almost seems like it doesn't go together. Do not give what is holy. Do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. I understand this as Jesus saying that, yes, be careful in your judgment, but also be discerning. There are some people whom you may want to correct who are not correctable. They have no desire to be corrected. They don't care about the things of God. And really, you're wasting your time by talking to them. I, I'm not, uh, we're not hyper-Calvinists hyper here who say, uh, you know, you can know who is saved and who's not saved. And uh, No, we, we should share the gospel 
far and wide, and usually the most miserable sinners, they're the ones who need it most, right? (laughs) But there have been times, and there will be times for you probably where you go, this is not the right time for this person. They are entrenched, and they just want to argue, and it's it's a waste. So this is not going to be helpful. So be wise. Be discerning. Look for redemption. Have redemption in mind. Because that's how our Savior is. Isn't that the good news? Like he's the God of second chances. And as that, that your anger and frustration, and my anger and frustration wells up against people, this has been a, a great governor for me this last week. Thank you, Jesus. Bring it in. First, look at your sins. Why, why am I so upset about that? What, what might God be doing in that person's life? Consider this. Let me, maybe I ask some more questions. Have grace with each other so that he might receive the glory. These are good words from our Lord, isn't it? He disturbs us, <laughs> and then he provides healing. Yeah. The double cure, right? Amen.